Welcome to the Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson. Welcome to the Variety Channel. This is your host, Melody Edmondson. The name of my show is The Space of the Waste, and I thank you very much for tuning in. If you have missed some of our episodes, please go to www.voiceamerica.com. If you need visuals of clothing by waste placement and body shape, please go to our Pinterest boards under the name of The Space of the Waste. And you will find the different balance ways, short waist and long ways with my body shapes of circle, square, rectangle, inverted triangle, triangle, and hourglass. And these are in all sizes, inclusive. And today we have a very special show with Marcy Zaroff, who is a beautiful, successful, eco-fashion corporate woman who owns not only Eco Fashion Corp, but also Farm to Home, Seed to Style, and MetaWare. And she is uh, a member uh, and a key driver in defining global organic textile standards. So we're really blessed to have her today. She is the queen of sustainability, and I want you to get that through your head. She's the queen. So if you have questions or anything, please email me so I can send them on to Marcy. So let me introduce Marcy Zaroff. She is going to tell you a little bit about herself and how she got into this avenue. Um, And so here she is, Marcy, take it over. Thank you, Melody. Hey, everybody. Um, So uh, here I am in New York City and uh, 30 years in the making to get to where I am today. I started my career actually not in the fashion industry, uh, but in the food industry where a lot of people start their journey of living a more conscious or sustainable life, right? We've all heard of the farm to table movement. We've all seen organic food. Now it's no longer, you know, Whole Foods that's the biggest buyer in the country. It's Costco, right? So this is now, you know, a crossed over into the mainstream, but back in the day, uh, you know, when everybody in the global organic industry knew each other, I was part of that movement. So um, the first business I started was called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, I co-founded that out of my apartment in New York in 1990. And today it's the world's largest holistic health certification program and uh, to become a health coach. And uh, there's over almost 200,000 people worldwide in 150 countries that are now certified um, as health coaches. And then from there, I connected food and beauty and became very close friends with the founder of Aveda, who became my role model and my mentor uh, for over 25 years. And we just shared a passion for more conscious living. 
And uh, through that, we opened the first Aveda Concept Salon in New York together, connecting food and beauty. And then I saw this missing link in the wellness equation, given the lifestyle I was living. You know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, our first basic need is food. And then we evolved to shelter and clothing. And I was a fashion consumer. You know, I got best dressed in high school. That's my big fashion background. Um, And it doesn't say much when you grew up in South Florida. Uh, But anyway, so. You look, you look the best in your bathing suit. Come on. It's all good. Uh, but anyway, in, in 1995, I coined and trademarked the term eco fashion and people thought I was crazy. You know, they would, you know, a lot of naysayers that would claim that people who were fashionable could care less about the environment and social consciousness and people who were more, you know, aware and, and looking at social and environmental justice could care less about fashion. I'm like, well, that's not true. I'm that person. I can't be the only one that thinks like this. I want it all. I want to bridge the tree hugger and the fashionista and the tribe in the boardroom and style the world of change and change the world of style. And so I started the first sustainable fashion and home brand in 1995 called Under the Canopy, which stands for the fact that we all live under the canopy of the planet's ecosystem together, right? And I think the pandemic definitely showed us that. Fast forward over the course of the last 26 years, uh, 28 years, I've also um, helped create standards like the GOT standard, which is the highest standard for an organic textile, uh, the cradle to cradle fashion positive I was a part of launching the fair trade textile standard with fair trade USA I helped write. I produced a documentary film series called driving fashion forward with Amber Valletta. I also uh, wrote a book that was published by Simon and Schuster called eco renaissance co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world. It's all about no compromise and the fact that through the lens of design, we can change the world. So I connect the dots of art, food, wellness, beauty, business, and fashion, and talk about all the spokes in the wheel of change and this you know, transformation of humanity, this renaissance, this rebirth, and this awakening that we are all a part of a collective ecosystem. And today, um, you know, two years ago, of course, just as the pandemic was kicking off, um, I started uh, my, what I would say is my grand finale coming off of, you know, living at the intersection of food and fashion for, you know, like I said, three decades and started Eco Fashion Corp to help other brands and retailers get where they want to go. Because today, you know, I always knew it was a a when, not an if. Today, they're all waking up. And every major fashion company out there today, anyone who touches textiles, it's not even about staying ahead. It's about not being left behind. And they're all making science-based climate targets, cotton targets for more sustainable cotton strategies, divesting out of China. I mean, there's a lot of noise out there. And everyone's trying to figure out how to navigate the complexities of our you know, supply chains in our industry. And that's what my company does. We meet brands and companies, retailers where they are and help them go source to story in a turnkey full package way. And then we have three of our own house brands in addition to MetaWare, which is the manufacturing platform, the Intel inside. And those brands are called Yes And, which really is my life philosophy. I'm sure we can dive deeper into that as well as seed to style and farm to home. So I'm the founder and CEO of this greenhouse of brands today and uh, just getting started all the, all these years in the making, but we're at our infancy, relatively speaking. 
and you're in the forefront. This is everything that's happening right now. And I do think if the pandemic served any positivity, it was that people have taken note. And as they are were home and are home more now, and all of that, they are thinking about these things and they've had time to read and listen to their children. And I do think the children today are brilliant and I know you have some, but I, I do think they're, I mean, my grandkids and coming along great grandkids, but the grandchildren and our uh, nieces and nephews, they're all very, very involved with sustainability and the planet and climate change and looking at the labels of what they eat, looking at the labels of the clothes they buy and everything like that. The, the only problem I've run into on this show uh, is when I bring the world up, the word up polyester and low price and some people call fast fashion. And that's because so many people just with their children and with their homes and with their cars and with their education, they don't have a lot of money uh, left over to buy clothing. So they want to buy at very, very low price. But what they don't understand is over the course of 30 years, if you buy a bunch of crap that you throw away, you would have been better off buying 12 items that were really sustainable and classic and timeless and or at least just an expression of you that's a kind of original or creative that you can wear forever. There is a woman in town here has a artsy kind of store and all of her clothing in there is very artsy. And every time I wear something from there, everybody thinks, oh, you're so fashiony, you're so fashiony, but really it's just very unique and different. And you can do that all of the time. There are things in my closet that I got when I first moved to Tucson 20 years ago. And they're just fantastic now as they were then. So I think what we're doing is we're changing the entire industry from throw away, rebuy, throw away, rebuy to no, that's not good for the planet because that throw away is polyester and polyamide. And that does not biodegrade. So we can't be doing that. And as much as everybody was in their athleisure wear all during the pandemic, and that stuff never dies, you're never going to throw it away because it's, it is uh, never going to tear up because you can't kill it. But I do suggest and I do think everyone is really sick of that. And they're ready to go out and dress up a little bit. And I'm hearing that from lots of people that when they go out, the women are dressing up. And I'm talking about in a dress, in jewelry, in high heels, wanting to look beautiful, almost like in the 1920s, you know, with the uh, roaring 20s. When they went out, they wanted to dress up. And I'm seeing that in San Francisco. I'm hearing about it from every major city. And yeah, maybe in the morning they're going to go and work out or work out at home and run and get the groceries in their Lululemon or their Lucy's that they've had or whomever. And they're going to go and run a bunch of errands and then they're going to come home and hang out in that for a while or maybe even meet somebody for a bite of lunch. But they're not going to go out for dinner in that. And that is a good thing. And the other thing is occasions are happening again that are not on Zoom like 
you're going to need a wedding dress. You're going to need a mother of the bride dress. You're going to need bridesmaids clothes. You're going to need a lot of clothing for special occasions, whether it's a bar mitzvah or a christening or whatever. So there is clothing, clothing to be purchased that is not athleisure wear, even though it still comprises 60% of the sales. But uh, I hope that Marcy is going to tell us a lot more about the um, process she goes through in, in making her clothes and how she counsels people uh, in her company for how other brands can make their clothing more sustainable. Yeah, lots to unpack. Um, okay, so first of all, um, what people don't realize is fashion is one of the largest polluters in the world of air and water, second to coal. 20% um, of the world's freshwater pollution is coming from textile treatment and dyeing. Uh, and you'll see statistics vary. If you include agriculture and transportation, as much as 8% of the world's carbon footprint is coming from the fashion industry, which is a $3 trillion industry. And I could go on and on about the impacts. Um, and they're chemical, waste, water, energy, climate change. So when you look at the proliferation of fast fashion, as you were speaking to, and the fact that people are now, you know, the first chapter of fast fashion that really put them on the map is everybody ran to the fast fashion retailers, especially the millennials, because they were like, wow, I can have a different outfit every day on my social media, right? But what's happened is there was a screeching halt when people started to realize and learn about those impacts that I spoke to. And so what's happened is that that generation that drove fast fashion is now, and I'm not saying they've completely abandoned it, but little by little, they're now demanding accountability and transparency. So they used to be the fast fashion, fast, fast fashion retailers' best friend. Today, they're their worst enemy. They're calling out these retailers. And now magnify that by the fact that countries are now putting laws in effect around demanding transparency and supply chains, demanding science-based climate targets, you know, and it's putting huge pressure on all these companies. But just as we say it, yes, and it's about no compromise. Yes, you can have style, quality, fit, color, comfort, hand, price, and oh, by the way, be socially and environmentally responsible. It's value add. And so at Eco Fashion Corp, whether it's the Yes And brand or it's, you know, something we're doing for private label for one of our, our major brand or retail partners, or it's at our two brands on QVC, Sea to Style and Farm to Home, we essentially start at the farm. So when you talk about the pandemic waking people up, it's because they couldn't go outside they were able to go inside and they reset their priorities and they started looking through a different lens around health and wellness. And, you know, as Albert Einstein once said, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created them. And so in our industry, very metaphorically, we're going back to the source, just like we went back into the source of ourselves to turn on the light, right? The, the truth, the the answers, the the like where your gut will speak to you and say, I don't want to destroy the environment. My kids and my kids' kids, you know, depend on that, right? Like Native American philosophy. We don't inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children, right? So we have to leave this earth as good, if not better than the way we found it. 
And fashion is a very powerful vehicle for transformation when you understand how things are being made, asking questions like, who made my clothes? What's in them? How are they being made? Right? Where are they being made? And the fashion revolution movement has been a huge catalyst for that thinking. And at Eco Fashion Corp, we start at the farm or the raw materials. We have our own farm project called Reset, which stands for Regenerate the Environment, Society, and Economy through Textiles. It's, it's a cotton project that has regenerative cotton, which is in transition to organic, certified organic, and biodynamic organic. We do blend with other fibers like lensing, tensile ISL, which I love, which we also call eucalyptus because it's derived from the eucalyptus plant. And then when we use recycled poly, as you mentioned, polyester, because we need a functional, a functional component. And, you know, look, a third of the world's textiles are cotton and even more the, than that are synthetics, right? Like almost half are synthetics. So, you know, we've grown up on synthetics, but for the last, you know, 70, 80 years, as you, you know, touched on, synthetics don't biodegrade. And so there's a lot of hands on deck right now trying to find innovation that can actually solve for what is our, one of, not only one of our greatest, you know, issues in the fashion industry, but for mankind. Because what mm -hmm. happens every time you wash a synthetic garment, polyester, you know, lycra, um, acrylic, nylon, those fibers that are in that garment, they shed in your washing machine, those microfibers. They're made of plastic. They're endocrine disruptors. They then go into the rivers that go into the oceans and the fish eat them. And then we eat the fish. And you know, you'll know, you see numbers as high as 90% of fish today have traces of microfibers in them, you know, plastic from textiles, literally from synthetics. And you know, you'll also see that a third of the plastic in the oceans is the synthetic garment, you know, microfiber pollution. So this is a real issue with ecosystems. And then of course, on the land's ecosystems, one of the reasons at Eco Fashion Corp, we're very passionate about organic and regenerative agriculture and biodynamic agriculture is it's not about doing less bad. It's doing more good. How can we leverage the power of fashion to scale truly sustainable agriculture that we depend on as humanity, right? When you have, you know, farmers all over the world and that's their livelihood and you have conventional, chemically ridden practices of agriculture, what we're doing is we're destroying the ecosystem, the living, breathing ecosystems of soil that we depend on. Think of soil <clears throat> as the skin of the earth, right? It's meant to absorb and protect us. It's meant to absorb carbon out of the atmosphere. It's meant to absorb water so that the plants you know, that you have a great water retention so the plants can thrive because they're being fed. So the soil is like the, the immune system of plants. And what's happened is by degrading it through chemical agriculture, right, through, you know, GMO seeds and pesticides and herbicides and all the toxic inputs that go into the production of something as simple as cotton that people think is natural, you know, but then don't even get me started when you start bleaching it and dyeing it. And it's like you're just layering on more and more chemicals. So it's not what we think it is, right? So going back to, you know, we really only use at Eco Fashion Corp for both our partners as well as our own brands. 
truly sustainable and preferred fibers and materials. We go from farm to finished product where we man manage every single touch point of the product from the beginning. So we're building up the supply chain instead of down because, you know, garment can change hands 10 times in a supply chain from, you know, the cotton to the gin, to the spinning, to the knitting or weaving, to the cutting, sewing, printing, dyeing, you know, packaging, shipping. I mean, it's a lot of hands travel. You know, we build the supply chain so that we can knock out all the inefficiencies, all the brokers in the middle, so we can be value add and be competitive on price. So our whole at Eco Fashion Corp, we wanna break the stigma that you have to give up style or quality because you don't. Break the stigma that you have to pay a lot more because by being vertically integrated in our model and building up the chain, we can be very you know, affordable and accessible to the masses and make this and democratize sustainable fashion so it's not perceived as just an elite movement the way that once organic food was. And, and then our third you know, big checkbox in terms of breaking stigma is full traceability of our products so that you don't have to wonder where did it come from or what's in it because we have a car, uh, a blockchain technology now that goes into a finished product with a QR code and you can scan the QR code and get the journey of the product everything in it the certifications meet the farmers meet the factory workers on you know when you scan the QR code it takes you to a site takes you on the whole journey of the product and now with yes and we have something called yes and repeat which goes back to what you were saying that it's a resale program. So you can return your yes and and get new yes and at joinyesand.com. And we're not the only ones doing that. You know, we have a partnership with a company called Recurate because right now where we are in the sustainable fashion movement globally is at the intersection of regeneration, circularity, and technology. And circularity is not just about, you know, resale. It's about you know, remaking, reusing, renting. I mean, I'm a big advocate for Rent the Runway. Um, you know, I believe like, you know, look, how many, if, if the idea is newness, swap with your friends. I mean, even the Global Fashion Exchange, you know, it's like an amazing organization that runs all of these swaps where people bring their favorite clothes. They want something new. They trade it in and get something new. And so there's a lot of this circular, you know, disruptive business models out there today that are really redefining what good fashion is, married with fashion that is made using responsible materials and ethical manufacturing methods. Yes. And it starts to, again, go back to consciousness and the priority that you should have. Yes, you want to look pretty. Yes, you want to buy beautiful clothes. But you also want your priority to be, your priority to be, is this sustainable? Just like you would in your refrigerator for your precious baby, if there was something in the food you were going to feed your child that you may or may not have purchased organic or made yourself, you're going to want to see what's in there. And if there's one thing that you don't think is going to be healthy for your child, you're not going to give it to them. And that's kind of the way we have to start being about our planet. And I think what I learned from Mike yesterday, Mike Edwards was, uh, who used to be the CEO of uh, Lucy, um, he, he told me that all of it, is connected to the largest movement, which is health and wellness, which you already talked about. And he feels that the future of fashion, and he's not a particular style color guru. And if you go down that track with him, he's gonna 
kind of lean away from it because he's he's got designers that do that the greatest you could you could find but we were talking he just said well if 70% of all the japanese are buying activewear and 70% of the women in america are buying activewear it sounds to me that it wouldn't be too difficult to transform these purchasers into doing more things for health and wellness maybe purchasing a for instance, another fabrication or whatever, when they become available that have the stretch and have the viability and the sustain and the, being able to withstand all the workouts that you have in this in these clothing, because health is health consciousness isn't going to go away, and you do need things to wear for that that are washable and dryable, and so I've just known that a lot of these fabrics, you know, aren't as good as they need to be for our planet, but they're coming up with that. And I've spoken to a lot of people that are developing newer uh, po uh, polyfibers. They're not poly because they don't have petroleum and that's not a good word for it, but they're coming up with a different chemistry. Uh, and you'll hear those people later in uh, some of the shows that are coming up later. But Aside from that, when we move into the health and wellness, I know that um, uh, from a global standpoint, uh, Marcy, you are so are also very involved in that. So tell me about how you uh, tie that in. Is it more from the company that you had in the beginning that had to do with the uh, training the coaches for healthcare and all of that? Or are you involved in that even now? Because sustainability, I, I want to throw this in there. Um, this is kind of a stream of consciousness, but I want to throw in that I consider just uh, people and workers are part of sustainability. They yeah. need to be paid fair. They need to, uh, you know, be taken care of. And so I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm like making a note so I can remember here. Um, yes, a couple different things. Okay. I know. So, <laughs> so, all right. Um, part of the problem of me, which is why I think Josh is like saying, <laughs> watch her when she ran her back in. <laughs> well, I'll kick off with kind of how you ended that, you know, I've always been an advocate for good business is about the five P's people, planet, prosperity, passion, and purpose, right? That's fundamental to good Love business. That. Love and then that. likewise, in my book, I talk about the five C's that connect the dots of all of these different lifestyle sectors, food, wellness, beauty, fashion, business, right? And those five, the threads, the pillars of what I call the eco-renaissance our creativity, because we're all creators and we can create whatever reality we wish to see. We created everything that is around us and the life we live, right? Like with the world we live in is because someone, we created it collectively. Then you've got connection, which we all learned during the pandemic. We're all connected, right? doesn't matter Absolutely. if somebody's like in a small rural town in, in India or, you know, in another in a third world country, you know, we're, we all were inside, you know, with the same facing the same challenges. Right. And then you look at, you know, collaboration, which is absolutely, yes. you know, paramount to our movement, because as I always say, 
one plus one equals 11. We're stronger together than we are apart. And we can Absolutely. get farther and faster exponentially to that end game, which is really solving for the greatest existential crisis humanity has ever faced, which is climate change, right? I mean, this is, you know, it this next generation, one of the reasons they're so proactive around, you know, voting with their dollars is because they're seeing it right in front of their face. You'd, you'd be sleeping to not be seeing what's going on and the, and the pace that natural disasters are picking up and the heat waves. And I mean, it's getting, I don't remember any of this when I was growing up, right? So creativity, connection, collaboration, consciousness, as we've spoken to, we have to climb the ladder of consciousness and change our perspective, see things from a different perspective. The higher yes. you get, the higher you, you know, elevate your consciousness, the more you see, and then you come from a different place when you're making decisions. And then community, the reminder that whether it's your local community, it's your, you know, it's your region, your state, your country, or the world that we live in, we are all a part of a global community. And we have to, you know, win-win with each other. It's not about me versus you. It should be me and you serving right. you serving me because we're in this together, right? And it's about having that mindset of, a collective consciousness about co-creation, yes. co-creating a better world. So going back to the food conversation and wellness, you know, you, everyone has heard you are what you eat, right? What you put in your body, it makes a difference because food is energy. It's made of energy. We're made of energy. Oh, yeah. Same thing with textiles. Textiles are energy. We mm -hmm. create them, right? So it's everything that goes in, on, and around our bodies is an extension of who we are. Not to mention the fact that we're not just what we eat, we're also what we wear. Why? Because the skin is the largest organ in our bodies. It's our primary organ for absorption, right? So when you put a garment on your skin that is ridden with toxic chemicals from its inception all the way to its production, and you don't realize that you're breathing in those chemicals. Check out the, you know, American Airlines lawsuit about those uniforms, or you can Google that, or, you know, you. I've met, I can't even tell you how many no, people who've been chemically sensitive and can't wear anything other than- And so many skin garden. diseases from fabrics. And it, yep, I mean, eczema, mention, yes, endless. Allergy, I mean, you can go allergy. on and yep. on. And 70 million people in our country alone have, you know, have skin conditions like, you know, eczema and psoriasis and, and other skin conditions and allergies. And, you know, it's, it's prevalent and people think about, you know, their food, what they're putting in. Mm -hmm. And one other connectivity that people don't realize in a cotton plant, 60% of the cotton plant by weight, when it's, when the cotton is harvested, gets ginned out. That's when you clean the cotton. It, it, you know, it's, our clothing isn't growing in the department store and our food isn't growing in the supermarket, right? Cotton is growing in nature and people's lives are being affected with all those chemicals and our soils being affected as I spoke to. But also when you start to gin out all those seeds, those seeds get sold into the food stream and they get broken down to make cotton seed oil. So next time you go to the market, look at what's in your breads, look at what's in your snack foods, look at, you know, your chips. So often cottonseed oil is the primary oil and cotton is the most heavily sprayed industry in agriculture with some of the worst, most carcinogenic chemicals. Why? Because there's a misconception that we're not eating it. 
So we can just spray the hell out of it to get rid of the bugs. And it doesn't matter because we're not eating it anyway. But that's not true because 60% of that plant is going into food, which we are eating. So there's so much interconnection from agriculture all the way to popular culture. And what really drives me going back to, you know, what you were just speaking to is health and wellness, because you know my mission has always been to give people what they love and what they seek in the way of, you know, style and quality and price and inclusivity now, size inclusivity. So it's accessible for everyone while also not instead of, but also making a difference human and environmental wellness and farmer and worker welfare and future generations, then it's not why it's why not. Yes. I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I do feel something that you touched on the collaboration. Um, this part is very important because what I've, I've seen and experienced in my life and in having this show and speaking to people is it's amazing what can happen when even a small group of people like 40 people or 50 people or even 25 people get together and what you can accomplish. You know what they've done in the various cities. I used to live in Bethesda. I'm talking 20, 30 years ago. And we used, there was a group that used to meditate in Bethesda, Maryland, in order to bring the crime rate down. And it absolutely works. I mean, if you get a, a group, and that was quite a big group, say a, on average 60 people on, uh, every couple of nights that we do it, two times a week, it absolutely lowered the crime rate. And you can imagine what you could do with getting a room full of whether it's Zers or Xers or millennials or, or even baby boomers like myself, you could absolutely find out so much when you collaborate in a nanosecond, it, you just sort of get it. It's kind of like when you're all gathered together and you're thinking about the planet and on a quantum level, you're all sinking in for the same act or action that you're going to try to change the world in a certain direction. These kind of positive experiences are deep and meaningful, then every choice you make, it continues to be a collaboration. Then when you go to the grocery store or then when you go to your farmer's market or you go to buy your clothing with your friends, your choices again, because you're continuing in every moment of your life to live this principle, to live this absolutely change, live the change, live, be the change you want to see happen. That, that means so much more than just a stupid slogan. It means you yourself, you know, I'm someone that's always bought natural fibers. I am very, very sensitive in my skin, my emotions in every way. And I'm a very passionate person and, and not quiet. So my, <laughs> My skin screams <laughs> just like my mouth. Unfortunately, if I, I can't buy cheap clothes. So sorry, John. I mean, you know, it's been a constant battle to stay on my budget. But, <laughs> and I should have been buying fewer. But because I was in the fashion industry, I was wanting to buy a lot of different things and wear a lot of different things. But they've always been natural fibers. I just don't do the poly crap. I'm not saying I never bought uh, Lululemon or I never bought... Uh, 
Lucy or any kind of workout clothes that have polyester in it because I have it and I have it and I've worn it this morning. But I am very open to a new type of faux polymore or polymade or made out of a flower or whatever that will give me the performance. It doesn't even have to be as big of a performance. It can last less long. <laughs> it's okay with me if I can wash it and hang it up. Maybe you don't dry it. That's fine. You know, get five of them, you know, for a week. Get rid of the 90 you have and, you know, get the right kind that is biodegradable. And think about your children because you're not leaving the planet in the same or better than you received it if you continue to do things that you know. You have to think of it as poison. When I quit drinking 23 years ago, when I'd sit around and I'd see all these people, you know, drinking alcohol, I would just look at it and say, what if that were heroin and everybody was doing it so easily, you know, just ordering it every night and having a bottle every night. And some people can, can drink and be fine. I, I actually am allergic to it, like many things. But I, I started to just think of it as, well, they're drinking white wine. They're drinking red wine. But I was thinking of a white wine is a toxic chemical like drinking your own urine or the red is like blood and it would turn my stomach. But to this day, I cannot even be concerned when people are drinking. Anybody can drink in front of me because I'm just thinking at this point, it isn't something that I want to pollute my body with because I, I just don't want to do that. And I'm starting to be the exact and have for the last probably 30 years, we've been very concerned concerned about what it is we eat and looking at the labels. And, and if we don't, I mean, the grandkids and his kids and his grandkids, we will, they'll be checking out our refrigerator when they come and they'll say, grandma, this is not going to work. This is past the date to buy. And even though you can eat it a little longer, it's more than three or four days. So we dump it. Okay. <laughs> we dump it. Okay. Do you, can you, inform me on some of the new dyeing methods because I spoke to someone who says they're using flora and fauna now for the dye colors and yeah. that is that is less uh, chemical in terms of what it puts out into our environment and yeah of course messing up our um, air yeah. So, okay. So a couple of things. So first of all, um, just to build off of some of the things you said in terms of, you know, the, the power of mass meditation, right? Yeah. It's, it's sort of energetic. It's like law of attraction. We put out there a different, you know, we design a new reality of, of energy around us and, and the kind of communities that are going to attract a different kind of way of life. Right. And, you know, it, it's funny because I travel all over the world. I do a lot of public speaking and I always find, quote, my peeps, right? People that are, they might be speaking different languages in their homes day to day, but they're speaking the same language I am around, you know, doing well by doing good in the world. And so we're very much in alignment. And I've seen in the course of my 30 plus years, you know, driving sustainability across food and, and beauty and now fashion, you know, I've seen this sort of intersection, a bridge of, you know, things that would used to be considered, quote, spiritual, or a little woo woo even, and things that were considered science based. And those worlds have collided. Now. Oh, absolutely. things like medicine are proven. And you have the HeartMath Institute, which shows, right. you know, that, that how, you know, these, these, 
sonar panels are, are actually monitoring the heartbeat of the world and to see what raises our heartbeat when the whole world is in a panic about something. 9-11, that all the monitors went through the roof, things like yes, that. So there's absolutely. a lot of proof now about the kinds of things that seemed very esoteric back in the day. And, and out would, there when they're not. Totally. And I would say daily. We're living in a modern day Star Wars, right? Where the dark forces are still trying to hold on to old school thinking and old systems while the light and, you know, we're shining the light, we're turning on the light, we're activating our source on all levels, farm to table, farm to home, you know, inside, love energy. I mean, these things are driving a different way of being. And, and we're just hoping, you know, and, and why I speak to this in eco Renaissance and give a lot of resources to meet people where they are and help them on this journey is because it's fun and it's easy, right? And I have a 40 people in my book, I call my Illuminartists, who are like my modern day Michelangelo's, you know, my, the people that are leveraging their own platforms across different categories to drive positive change in the world through art or music or food or beauty or whatever their modality is. So we're all connecting into each other. And that exponential ripple effect is what's driving this kind of new chapter for humanity. So having said that, going back to dies and finishes, which is an integral part of the fashion world. And I mentioned earlier, 20% of the world's freshwater pollution is coming from textile treatment and dyeing. So if you go to China, you know, you'll hear things like, oh, you can tell what colors the factories are dyeing today by the colors of the local rivers. All that runoff that's happening and polluting the water systems. If you go to countries that make a lot of leather, the formaldehyde and the toxicity of all the tanning that is going into the local systems of water is heart-wrenching. There's a, a great documentary called River Blue um, that really speaks to that. And so, you know, it is a very serious issue. So fortunately, there's a lot of innovation going on from some of the biggest dye houses like Arcroma, as an example, that's now got plant-based dyes. Or, you know, we've got got certified dyes at Eco Fashion Corp where we can dye with turmeric and, and bilberry and, yeah. you know, and, and all these beautiful plants that when we have now figured out how to make the color last, it's called color fastness, and how to have consistency because these were things in the past that were, you know, challenges for us as an mm -hmm. industry when the innovation wasn't sure. where it is. But, you know, textile dyeing, I mean, you can see anywhere from like 55 or 60% runoff when things are getting dyed. We use something called fiber reactive dyeing, which is approved under the GOT standard and has two main you know, qualities. One is less than a 5% runoff in, in fiber reactive dyes because the fiber actually, the, the bonds of the dyes adhere better to the fibers. And so you get much less runoff. And the second thing is all the dyes we use, and this is across all of our brands and all of our private label work are free of chlorine bleach, formaldehyde, heavy metals, you know, acetones, optical brighteners, things that are, people don't even think about, you know, and it's crazy how many dyes there are thousands of chemicals that, you know, and many, many toxic chemicals that go into the production of textiles. So this isn't just as simple as like, you know, like, oh, let's just, you know, 
look at fair trade. That's one critical piece of this, the ethical manufacturing component, because people's lives who are making, growing and selling our products are being affected. And absolutely, we have to pay fairly. We have to have fair working conditions and safe working conditions. We have to have no child labor, you know, laws and things that we can actually support, you know, the people around the world that are making garments for the, the, the major brands in the Western world, frankly, um, and protect their lives. I mean, look at what happened in Bangladesh with the Rana Plaza tragedy in 2013, where, you know, 1,133 garment workers, mostly women, lost their lives in a split second when a six floor factory collapsed. Right with and and it was a such a travesty and all over the world there was an uproar saying enough is enough business as usual cannot continue in the fashion industry we have to demand change and you talked about be the change live the change eat the change we have to wear the change we all wish to see in the world too absolutely I couldn't agree more and it just takes that higher consciousness. And the more that's in there, just like with the meditation, the more people taking the action and thinking in that direction. And that's knowledge. A whole lot of it is just unawareness, lack of awareness. You know, I notice it in my family. I hate to say it, but there's a lot of polyester being worn and it's because of price. And I just have to mention, you know, you know me and I have good friends as well. I just always have to mention that, well, uh, that comes at a great price, you know, to the environment and the people that have made it. And I just think that you should consider with that, like you do with your food for your children, that, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better to maybe buy something that's biodegradable? Let's start there. I can help you find some resources that I found on Etsy that don't have the middleman and our lower price in linens and cottons and things like that. And, and then when they say back to me, but I don't want to dry clean, I say, you don't have to dry clean them. You can just hand wash them and you can wash them in the washing machine on a gentle cycle and you dry them for a while and you hang them up. And, you know, linen is the nature of the fabric of linen is it doesn't need to be perfectly pressed. That's just kind of dated. I mean, you can wear your linens and have them be slightly crumbly and they can look kind of cool. If you want to iron them and have them ironed with your cotton and your linen, you can go ahead and iron it. But it isn't going to be the same as polyester that you throw in the washer and the dryer and you pull it out and you put it on. There is going to be, not only does it take a few more processes, but what doesn't, what thing of value have you ever had in your life? What thing of value have you ever had? Or what experience have you ever had? If you want to climb to the very top of the mountain, there is some effort and some time that has to put in there to be put into that. But then the experience that you have lasts an entire lifetime. That one moment that you have before the sun goes down and you have to hurry and get back down, it lasts a lifetime. And if you could save your child from having allergies or God forbid, there are many other things I could mention, but I won't because I haven't been proven by enough people to have it be said. But I'm just saying, start with raising your consciousness and reading, having the knowledge, talk to people, talk to people that have the knowledge about the clothing because we are 
in the middle of a revolution here. This is a revolution that we are having, and it is a big, hard fight because of the dollars being made in the polyester, in the main floor moderate, in the children's wear, in the junior department, in the main floor Missy departments, and in low price fast fashion, which is they're trying to drive it away, but it's going to be hard because of price. So we're working on that. You're part of the activity to change that and create the change. And we honor you and we respect you for that, Marcy. And uh, I just couldn't thank you enough for all the work that you've done. You look like you're 30. I don't know how you've done all of this. And, and you must have graduated from college at 12. But I'm just saying this is a big deal. This is a big, huge thing to take this movement out of Basically, China is most of it, but not all of it. Out of that, get the, the manufacturing processes are going to take a little longer because we are going to be making it better for the planet. It may take a little bit longer and the it may take a while for reorders and dye lots to exactly match with the organic dyes, but they certainly will be compatible. And there's a way to design for that with hues, varying hues within a collection. I mean, if anybody has a problem, give me a call. I know a million people that can help you with it. They've done it already and it works. I just think you got to think about it. You really got to think about it. Just because it saves you money, is it better? It saves you money well, I, when? Over you, the, your lifetime, it's not saving you money. You yeah, we, we say like, yes, value, right? and values, right? No compromise. What is, and you talk about cost, what is the true cost? You know, and there's even a documentary film you can probably watch on Netflix or Prime that is also called True Cost. And it shows you the environmental and human, you know, human and environmental mm -hmm. impacts of the fashion industry. And they're significant, right? You pull the curtain back and you unveil those impacts and it's really eye-opening. So we need true material change. You talked about flowers. We're seeing pineapple and orange and seaweed. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. I mean, there's so much innovation, banana on fibers and materials that are coming to life. Of course, now the resurgence of hemp is making a big comeback yes, as well. Yeah. And our model at Eco Fashion Corp is, is like build a bowl. We start with what stories do you want to tell? Is it circular and recycled? Is it organic, regenerative, fair trade, low impact made in the USA? What are the products you want to make? And we make women's clothing, men's clothing, baby, kids, home textiles, you know, bedding and bath, which you can get at our brand farm to home as well as, you know, private label with our clients. Um, and then we also do sweaters. We do denim. We do accessories. So at every touch point of every product that we do, we look to our partners and say, what are your price targets? Is it mass or class? And we're equipped to actually meet you where you are and help you get to your sustainability goals. So take all those excuses away. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what to look for. I don't know what to believe. It's, it, it is daunting. There's no question about it, which is why I started MetaWare and Eco Fashion Corp to become a solution provider like an Intel inside that's very strategic in our production so we can hit your target costs. Mm -hmm. and your target volumes, but bake in sustainability as an add-on, as that value add, as that value values. Mm -hmm. How about, <clears throat> I know they don't have very many of them anymore, but in the New York 
I know corporate Macy's, corporate Nordstrom's or whatever, the buying offices, are there representatives there for sustainability and sustainable fashion? If there's not, I, I think there should be. It's, you know. it's starting. It, it used to be, I'm, I'm on the board of an organization called the Textile Exchange. And when I, you know, when we started the organization 20 years ago, it was like a handful of brands that were very passionate about, you know, driving change. Patagonia, Nike, uh, you know, my company under the canopy, REI, a lot of outdoor retail companies, okay. right? And over time, it's grown and grown, but we have the biggest growth in the history of the organization in the last two years, because everybody is jumping on this train now in the industry from the biggest retailers and brands around the world to the biggest factories around the world to, you know, more and more raw material providers that are doing, you know, like lensing um, all the way to, you know, consultants and, and, and you've got the sourcing people and the brands and the retailers, everybody's at the table. Because and I just, I saw on, uh, okay, I saw on uh, LinkedIn also all the designers, be it Gucci, Versace, uh, yeah. Christian Dior, they're also uh, making a big, and that will help trickle down into departments that are really the problem. The fabric for the lower uh, price merchandise is really the problem. Well, unfortunately, our time is up and that really makes me sad because I'm just writing notes like crazy over here because I'm learning so much. I want to ask one more question and then I'm going to have to go, but how important is made in America? Is it just to be able to control the process or it doesn't matter? What do yeah. you think? I think it sounds good, but the question is, will the consumer pay for it? They want it, but you know, tests historically showed they won't pay up for it. Having said that, there's a new um, chapter emerging in the onshoring world, which actually MetaWare is also spearheading a smart factory of the future built on on-demand production and efficiency and, you know, tech technologies that are making, you know, the virtual world meet the physical world, Yes, but, you know, metaverse and 3D Why? technology, 3D printing and sampling and, and fitting, um, you know, virtual dressing, you know, on-demand lean production, you know, on-demand printing with companies like Cornique that are non-toxic and, and, you know, zero waste. I mean, things that yes. are happening right now. So to me, the next chapter of eco-fashion or the extension smart fashion. is smart fashion. You said it. And on that note, and I'm with you on all the 3D scanners, let's let's get the fit right and you won't have the $700 trillion worth of returns. That's right. And I've already spoken to the big thinks on that and they're going to incorporate my waist links for my balance short and long and I couldn't be more excited. But thank you so much, Marcy. I am so blessed to have the queen of eco-fashion moving into smart fashion on my show with a focus on health and wellness. What more is there? That is it, kids. This is fashion today. So let's all get with the program. Thank you very much. I have to say goodbye. Thank you so <laughs> okay. much for having Thanks, me, Marcy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.